Thank you for listening to the FWC Beaumont podcast. This week, Pastor Philip explains how making difficult choices doesn't necessarily mean choosing between good and evil. So I really don't know which is better. You've heard me say this many, many times. For a believer in Christ, for someone who has given their heart and life over to the Lord, sometimes our decisions are about good and gooder. Without further ado, let's get to this week's message, Making Tough Decisions. This is one of those messages that uh, you have to put a little more scripture to it. Most of the time I keep the scripture reading to a minimal, but uh, this is one of those. We're going to look at Paul, and he was talking about making some tough decisions. And his tough decision was really about life or death about what it meant to go home to be with the Lord, about what it meant to stay here and do ministry. And so uh, we can apply this to a lot of different things. But we're going to look at the first chapter of Philippians pretty hard today. Now, the first few uh, verses, he's introducing himself and talking about where he's at and what's going on and saying hi, how's your mama, you know, all that kind of stuff. How's your mama and them? Uh, And so we take up at verse 9. And he says this, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding, in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you might live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced by life in in Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Whenever we live a a righteous life, it brings praise to God. Amen? And so he goes on. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. And at this present time, Paul is in jail. He's in chains for his preaching of Jesus Christ. So what he's telling them is they know where he's at, but he's explaining to them everything that's happened has benefited the gospel. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So even the people who are holding him captive understand that he's there for the message of Christ. And he goes on and he says, And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak Christ's message without fear. So in other words, everything that's happening is benefiting the gospel. It is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. He had some people that were competing with him and he said but others preach about christ with pure motives and they preach because they love me for they know i've been appointed to defend the good news the gospel and those others do not that do not have pure motives as they preach about christ they preach with selfish ambition not sincerely intending to make my change more painful to me in other words kind of digging it in and but that doesn't matter Okay, Paul's dismissing that. He says, that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached, so we win either way. Yeah. <laughs> now, you have to kind of put that in parentheses, that yeah, because they didn't know how to spell it. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me, uh, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. In other words, I'm getting up out of here. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ. In other words, I won't back down just to try to get out of jail. I'm going to keep being bold, keep preaching Christ, 
And, and he goes on, and he said, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. This is one of those verses that I've told you. It's what we're dealing with in our world today, as far as radical Islam, but in the opposite. They're, they're going to die killing people. And Paul is here, he's saying, if, I'm, if I go on to be with the Lord, hallelujah, I'm out of here. But if I stay, I'm going to keep preaching and I'm going to keep bringing glory to Christ. So to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And uh, if you've got a, a new King James Version or King James Version, that's what it says. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. You've heard me say this many, many times. For a believer in Christ, for someone who has given their heart and life over to the Lord, sometimes our decisions are about good and gooder. Amen? Pardon my bad English, but it's the best way to say it. Some, most time for a believer, it is not a question of sin or not sin. It's not a question of good or bad. It's about good and gooder. Because the Lord's already said, I know the plans I have for you, the plans to do you good, not evil, to bring you an expected end, to give you a hope and a future. Hello. Not much latitude there for bad. So for us as a believer, most times our decisions and some of the toughest ones that we make is, am I going to make a good decision here or am I going to make the gooder decision? Okay, I'm comfortable where I'm at. And everything's going smooth, but if I make this other decision, it might be a little tougher, but in the end, will it benefit the kingdom more? Amen? I've been there. You've been there. We've all been in those situations where the choice is not good or bad. It's not good or evil. It's good or gooder. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I'm tired. I've, I've done this, and I've gone through all kinds of things. I've suffered persecution for this gospel. I, I've, I've been through all kinds of things, and for me, the easiest thing to do would be lay this thing down and go on to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Celebrate forever. But I know if I stay, I can do more good things for the kingdom. So I really don't know which is better. And I think the Apostle Paul was being very seriously. And sometimes in life, we're looking at things and we say, I just don't know which one is the gooder. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How can I make good, solid decisions for the kingdom? How can I, how can I, I as a believer, make good, solid decisions that will benefit the whole kingdom? So he goes on and he says, I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes... It is better that I continue to live. And we know that Paul wrote about two-thirds of our New Testament, at least half, maybe two-thirds, according to who you attribute some of the books to. And so he's saying, for me, it's a whole lot better for me to go to heaven, but for your sakes, and even for our sakes, amen, can you imagine if we were missing half of our New Testament? We'd be missing a lot of good stuff. We'd be missing a lot, a lot on how we're supposed to do things. So he said, it's better that I stay for your sake. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, uh, that's a faith statement. He's in jail, but I think I'm going to come to you again. You'll have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. Above all, 
You must live as citizens of heaven. Did you ever think about that? Whenever you accepted Jesus Christ, you became a citizen of heaven. I talked to a guy one time, this has been years ago. He said, I'm not sure that every born-again believer shouldn't have a green card. Because whenever we accepted Jesus Christ, we just changed our citizenship. Amen. We are temporary travelers here in this land. We got a place that we call home. Well, we've never been there, but hallelujah, it's our home, and we're going to be there one day. Fact is, one time I thought about just printing them up, and as people would get saved and hand them out at the altar. Amen. We'd have all of us that have a green card. That'd be something good, wouldn't it? (laughs) May still do that some of these days. We are citizens of heaven. We are not any longer belonging to this world. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy. Boy, that's a big word there. Conduct yourself, live in a manner worthy of the good news, of the gospel about Christ. And then whether I come and see you, whether I come and see you again, or only hear about you, I'll know that you're standing side by side, fighting together for the faith, which is the gospel, the good news. Don't be timid or intimidated, excuse me. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. Realize things may come against you. People may come against you. Ultimately, where Jesus is concerned, we win. Amen? I skipped all the way to the last chapter in this book, and we win. It might have been a spo- I should have given a spoiler alert there for those of you that hadn't read all the way through. We win. We're on top of this. Amen? We're going to come out victorious. Boy, y'all must be a little sleepy this morning. That all at least got a good amen out of you. <laughs> We're going to win. Amen. <laughs> and so he says, but that, uh, that we are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Two-sided coin. We are in this struggle together. And you have seen my struggle in the past. And you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Because... He's still in chains. So let's pray over the word. We'll get into it this morning. Father, thank you for your word. And we do thank you that we're not missing the half of our New Testament. We thank you for all of this word. And all of it combined is a love letter from you to us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for, for caring enough about even how to help us make decisions. And that's what we're looking at this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for what you're going to do with it in us. And we just give you praise for it in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Have you ever made a decision in your life that you wish you could have a do-over? They call it, in golf, they call it mulligans. And uh, we take mulligans sometimes, especially on the first tee box. Hit that first shot, you're a little little cold and don't know exactly where the ball is going to head that day. So you get a second shot. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in life I would like a mulligan. Amen. And there have been times in my life when, when I, I've made decisions that at the time I thought it was good, turned out it wasn't. Times when I thought I made a bad decision, turns out it was really good. But all of us have decisions that we make in life. And if we look at history, there's been a lot of our, uh, a lot of our precursors, people that came before us that have made bad decisions. Here's one. Um, in, in 1784, Ben Franklin, you ever heard that name? Amen. One of our founding fathers. He wrote a letter to his daughter expressing his great disappointment at the poor choice that the American, the brand-new U.S. government had made in choosing its national symbol. 
they had chosen the eagle. And he was so upset because he had wanted it to be the turkey. Amen. I'm kind of glad he was wrong. <laughs> Amen. Kind of glad the other people had it right. Um, here was a, a one time, uh, you know, sometimes some decisions are small, some are, some are big. Here's a small one. A student nurse came into a hospital room for a 79-year-old patient. And she had a hypodermic needle in her hand. And she said, which hip do you want your, Want the shot? And he said, yours, honey. <laughs> Not mine. There was a, I read about this some time back, but I've remembered it always. In Alaska, during the summertime, when everything begins to thaw, sometimes some of the primi- more primitive roads, you get off the paved stuff, it gets a little, little rough. And on one of the well-known primitive roads, a big long stretch ahead and a sign at the beginning of one of these big long stretches said choose your rut carefully next line is you'll be in it for the next 200 miles <laughs> can you imagine having to choose that rut carefully so sometimes in life we make big decisions we make small decisions Paul, again, had this decision, should I go on to be with the Lord or should I stay here? And he says, for your sakes, I think I ought to stay. But in this life, our decisions aren't usually life and death. For for the Apostle Paul, it was life and death. But for us, a lot of times it's about our family. It's about our jobs. It's about our relationships. It's about our finances. It's about those kind of things. And while they're not life and death, they can certainly have a long-lasting effect in our life. And so we, like the Apostle Paul, we want to make good decisions. So if we look at this word, the question at hand is, how can I make good, solid decisions in light of what the word says? As a believer in Christ, something is going to be long-lasting, something is going to be a good decision. And so we've got four factors that we're going to look at this morning. Number one is what you want. Wow, that's a big thing. That's a big part of it. Now, the Bible tells us very, very clearly that Jesus promises that he's going to meet our every need. And so above that is our wants. And Paul expressed some wants here. So it's not that God says, don't ask that. He, he's a great big God. In fact, is he can handle anything that we can throw his way. And so the question becomes, what can I do about my desires the things I want to do, the things I want to accomplish, the things I'd like to achieve in life, how can, how can I make a decision about that that's going to be one that pleases God? And, the, and the, that brings about almost an answer in itself. Because if we're seeking to please God, and that's what the Apostle Paul here was doing, he said, I want to, I want to do something that's going to be worthy of my relationship with God. I, I want to do something that's going to be pleasing to God. I want to get, do something that's beneficial to the kingdom. And so what we've got to realize is that if we choose to make our wants what God wants, all of a sudden we've, we've accomplished a great big thing. Because so many times what we do is we look to us. Amen? We don't think about anybody else. We don't think about the Lord. We don't think about what he would ask of us. And here's the thing. All of us in our lives, if you look at our decision-making, we are... At present, right where you're sitting today, right where I'm standing, I'm the sum total of every decision I've ever made. Be that good, bad, or indifferent, we are the sum total of every decision that we've ever made in our lives. Because each one is basically a fork in the road. 
And if we choose this way, it brings about a different end. If we choose this way, it brings about a totally different thing. So again, it's not necessarily good or bad. Sometimes for us as a believer, it's about good or this way might be gooder. And so what we've got to do is realize that uh, our, our end result is what we'll end up being in this life. So what, are you, what, is your, what do you want your legacy to be in life? Look at, look at your decisions through that lens. And what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want to leave behind? What do I want to leave with my kids and my grandkids and whoever else is, is following me? What do I want to leave? What is my legacy? C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, he wrote, Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices... You are slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or into a hellish one. Now, he's, he's saying good and bad. I'm saying sometimes it's just good and gooder. So, what we've got to do, the lesson that we've got to put into this is, when, when we choose something, we need to put the lens of, how would Jesus do this? What would Jesus want? What would he want for me? What would be the end result of this? Because uh, so many times, uh, uh, I mean, it, it, here's the thing. If we put ourselves in the position of wanting Christ, that's where it really starts. Because you've, you've heard me pray it multiple times, umpteen times if not more. I pray it often. I pray it in my own prayer time. Lord, make me a little more like you and a whole lot less like me. And you know what? If somebody had known me 25, 30 years ago you'd, if, and you had just fast-forwarded to today, you'd say, is that the same guy? Because I don't at all act like Philip used to act. Amen? And hopefully I'm acting a whole lot more like Jesus would act. And so even John the Baptist, whenever he was confronted with the issue that Jesus Christ was Lord, what was his answer to it? I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. If we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to belong to him, the thing that we've got to do is begin to put him more and more preeminent in our lives so that ultimately whenever we begin to make a decision, we're making the decision that Christ would make. Amen? So what do, we, what do you want to become and, and who do you want to become? That's next. Number two, who do you depend on? And Paul basically says this, he said, I'm convinced that through the Lord I'll come again and, and see you again so that your praise can show to the Lord and that I can be strengthened. He depended on the Lord. That was a faith statement. I mentioned it while we were reading through it. That was a faith statement. I'm going to come back. Like, like MacArthur, whenever he said, I shall return. And he returned. Uh, Paul's basically making that faith statement, I shall return. And, and so just like Jesus, when he was on this earth, he always... He always uh, basically expressed his wants, his desires. And I think we should, in prayer, go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I'd like. This is, this is what's going on in my life. This is how I see it. But I think we ought to always put a, put a little ending on that, just like Jesus did. Jesus always asked for his wants, his desires, but he always left it with, nevertheless, you know, he said, Lord, this is what I want. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus, in no way, shape, form, or fashion, wanted to go suffer and die on that cross. Because he asked the Father, 
If it's at all possible, let this pass for me. If there's another way, if there's another something we can do to get mankind out of the sin that they're in, let it happen. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And we ought to always leave that latitude in there. Because sometimes sometimes we go to God with a grocery list. I'm guilty of it. You're probably guilty of it. We get this list in our head and we go to God and I want this, 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 and this, and this. And then this is how it ought to happen. And I'd like for this to happen. And oh yeah, that one is giving me lots of trouble. Just maybe a lightning bolt from heaven. And then we say amen. And we never, never, never leave latitude for the miraculous. And see, God works in that little area of the miraculous. As I've said so many times, it's when he puts his super on our natural that things become supernatural. And see, if it's all something that we can handle, all something that we can figure out, all something that we could come up with the means with which to answer it, who are we dependent on? We're dependent on ourselves and not on the Lord. So the thing that we've got to do is always leave that little attitude of nevertheless. You know, this is what I want, but nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. We ought to always leave a little bit of room for the miraculous instead of going to God with that, with that grocery list, that something, something that we can figure out. If we've covered every angle, then we're dependent on us and not God. Somebody say amen. Number three, it's about your worldview. And that is, if, if you're viewing yourself as one person against the world, then you got it wrong. Because see, in this, even in this portion of Scripture, Paul puts in there what's better for the church. What's, what's the best for everybody involved. Paul says, if it's just me, I want to go be with the Lord. I want to get out of this place. I've done enough, seen enough, experienced enough that I want to get out of here. But for your sakes, it's better that I stay. And so uh, uh, we ought to, in every one of our decisions, we ought to be considering what it, how it affects the body of Christ because none of us, none of us make a decision that's in a vacuum. Every one of our decisions also affects someone else in a big way. And so what we've got to do is, is realize that as we put the kingdom first and put the, the church ahead of our own needs sometimes, that some great things can happen. It's, it's about where our focus is. It's about... Uh, uh, you know, Paul knew realistically that he might not ever, might not ever see daylight again out of his chains. But yet he had the faith to know that God could handle that and for the church's sake, that God would move mountains for him. And just like with you, your situation may seem perilous. It may seem hopeless. But God can work good things for you so that it benefits the kingdom. Amen? So what we've got to do is realize that, that and this is where Paul says, Walk worthy of your calling in the gospel. Anybody ever watch a movie? It's, it's a fairly old movie now, but ever watch the movie Saving Private Ryan? It's a, it's a pretty heart-wrenching movie, and you've got this group of guys that are going to rescue this Private Ryan. And so they get there, and they get all shot up, and Captain Miller is the guy that was leading the, the crew. And right there at the last moment, he gets shot to ribbons. And if you remember, he's laying there on the ground bleeding, about to die. And Private Ryan's looking at him and, you know, wondering what he could do or anything. And, and Captain Miller, you know, says, come here. And he says, earn this. 
Somebody gave up their life so that you could live. Somebody gave up their life so that you could get out of here and not have to face this. And when you look at it from the spectacles of heaven, Paul's saying, earn this. Somebody died so that you wouldn't have to face hell. Somebody died so that you could get up out of here and go to heaven. You see what I'm saying? We, we've got to live for Christ. He died for us, so now we've got to live for him. And so none of our decisions are made in a vacuum. So we've got to look at it sometimes like, how does this affect the entire body? Because see, here's the thing. Uh, Paul likens it in a couple of different places, the body of Christ, the church, to a human body. He says Christ is the head. And here's the rest of the body. It all does other different functions and different things. Now, if both of my arms went on vacation, just decided, hey, we're going on vacation. We don't care what anybody else does, thinks, or says. Uh, what's the mouth going to think in about 24 hours? I'm hungry <laughs> with no way to do anything about it. So whenever people leave the body of Christ, whenever people don't function in their place in the body of Christ... You're essentially taking the hands and the feet and the legs and whatever of Jesus away so that it can't function at 100%. Everything we do ought to be a consideration of how, what is our worldview. How does this affect not only me, not only my family, not only those right directly around me, but how does it affect the church? How does it affect the kingdom? And so we've got we've to have that in mind. And so whenever we, uh, Paul talks about this in a couple of different ways. He talks about our industriousness. He, he talks about in verse 27 about fighting for the gospel's sake. If you've got a King James or a new King James, it says striving for the gospel. And so uh, that means that we're, we've got to be busy. We've got to be up doing things. And, and, and as a pastor, it thrills my soul whenever somebody gets that and says, hey, I want to do something. And see, here's the thing. We've got lots of good ministries going right now. We've got all kinds of things that we do out of this church, but God's not done. There are all kinds of new ministries that people have in their hearts and in their minds that God's putting ideas in your head. Sometimes I'll have people come and say, you know, Pastor, what do you think about if we did this? I think it's great. You want to do that? Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sometimes people say, yes, yes, yes. And as a pastor, that thrills my heart because I know somebody's getting it. Somebody's seeing that, hey, what I can do can benefit the kingdom. It's just like we're doing this greeter thing. Be sure and stay afterward if you're interested in being a greeter or, or have been a greeter. And the, the, the thing is, it just thrills my heart when somebody comes up and says, I want to be a part of that. I want to be out there greeting people as they come in. It's so super important. It's just like I've said, everything works together. If we come in here and and have great music and everything, but it's hot in here, okay? It detracts from the service. Now, some of you are saying it might be a unique thing, but most of us would say being hot in here would not be a good thing. No windows to open up. So what if, what if, what if the air conditioners had fell into disrepair and nobody thought to call a repairman or anything, so we're just sitting in here sweltering? <laughs> or what if... What if we uh, came in here and nobody had bothered to pay the electric bill and, and the lights were out? And believe me, it's dark in here. Amen? Because there are no windows. And, and so what I'm telling you is sometimes we think, hey, what I can do means nothing to the kingdom. No, it means everything to the kingdom. 
for, for everything to work together, we've got to have all the bases covered. It was like I was talking about a couple of weeks ago when you got Mary and Martha. In that little scene in Luke's gospel, you got Mary and Martha. Martha's in the kitchen cooking up stuff. And Mary's in there at the feet of Jesus. Martha comes in there and says, Jesus, would you make Mary get up and help me? Because I'm fixing for all these people. And he says, she's chosen a better thing. But he never, you know, I always read that, that he was scolding Martha. But he really wasn't scolding her. Because Martha knew how to wait on people. And again, I'm telling you, it's whenever those two people, Mary knew how to wait on God, Martha knew how to wait on people. And when we all get Mary and Martha in the same house, working together, that's whenever we've got greeters, but we've got people in here praying. We've got clean bathrooms because people take that as a ministry. And yet, we've got it comfortable in here when they come in here. There's nothing that detracts. Everything works together for a great experience. Does somebody come in here so that they're not distracted? I mean, I've walked into some churches. I used to travel a lot uh, before I figured out the Lord called me into pastoral ministry, I used to travel a lot and preach in a lot of different churches. Believe me, there were some that I went to that that bathroom in there was scary. Amen. And it detracted from what happened in the sanctuary. Because I was like, can't believe that. <laughs> and so what I'm telling you is everything works together. All things. Even... Even if, you know, if you come in here one day and it's musty, say something to somebody. Go get an air fresher. So that it doesn't detract. So that in nothing, absolutely nothing, when we get in this place, that there's nothing that they, a person can think of other than Jesus Christ died for me. Now what am I going to do for him? Amen? That's, that's what this all comes down to. And Paul's saying all of these things can work together for good. They can, they can all be a unifying thing, an industrious thing. And then we're, we're unified in what we're doing because he talks about being in one, one spirit, one body, one mind, one purpose in this whole little scripture that we read. And then he says, don't be intimidated. Don't be fearful. This is a day and time when Christianity is not in vogue anymore. It's not a cool thing to be a believer. Used to, people would join a church just so they could have the social connections and get things done and have business connections through the church. It's no longer in vogue to do that. Fact is, our opinion is looked down upon in a whole lot of ways. They think we're antiquated. We think the scriptures are irrelevant. They think that, that what we do is wrong in some cases. And Paul, in his day and time, is kind of a similar situation. And he said, don't be intimidated by those that would put you down. Don't be intimidated by those that don't see things your way because you're in Christ. You're doing it the right way. You're going to be rewarded. Don't worry about them. You know, Paul, uh, not Paul, David, in the, one of the Psalms, he kind of goes off, I think it's Psalm 73, and he says, Lord, I look around and I see all these evil people, and they're doing good, and they're successful, even though they're doing things that displease you. And basically, by the time that Psalm is over with, he comes around that the Lord says, I'm going to give you your reward. It might not be here, but don't worry about those people. Don't worry about what they're doing. You do what you know is right. And so that's the same with us here. We can't worry about that. We can't be intimidated. We can't be fearful. Fear is what will shut us down. It's one of the few things that as a believer will absolutely make us irrelevant in this world. 
Faith is what's going to change things. Faith and prayer is what's going to change things. Faith and our walk with God is what's going to make a difference in this world. So he's telling them, don't. The fact is, if you look at that word, and you take it back to the original, that courageousness or, or don't be intimidated, it actually even goes back to the first thought of it and basically literally can be translated as don't let them see you sweat. Amen? And sometimes we sweat. Sometimes we, we start figuring out about how this is, they're going to do this and, and, and that's going to that's bring this on. And you know what? We can absolutely borrow trouble and the, and the interest on borrowed trouble is worry. Amen? Fearfulness. It's all those things that are going to take our power away, take our courageousness away. And so the application is very, very simple. Whatever happens in this life, we are to be united. We are to be industrious. We're not to be fearful. We need to carry on and keep on keeping on. Somebody say amen. Number four, and we're, and we're headed toward the finish line here. He says it's about your willingness to serve. And... Here's the thing, every one of us, every one of us has a gift. Every one of us has a knowledge, every one of us has an ability that somebody else in here does not have or at least doesn't have in the same way. I've said this many, many times. I would love to play the piano. I would love it. I've taken lessons before. I bought, I don't know, between Angie and I, probably three or four keyboards, and they never sound like the other ones. I've always got a defective one. Because it never sounds like those people that can play. I don't know how you could buy that many. I mean, all of them be defective. I would love to play the piano. I figured out it's not my gift. It's not my calling. Sometimes I have a hard time playing the radio without getting static. But the problem is I'm trying to do something that's outside my giftedness, outside my calling. And so we can wish and want and do all these things as I've shared with you before, when I first felt the call into preaching ministry, I would listen to these people on the radio and I'd say, Woo, boy, I'd get fired up and I want to preach like them. And so the next time I'd get a chance to preach, man, I'd try to preach like them and, you know, it just flop. And I finally figured out, with the Lord's help, be the best me I can be. You be the best you that you can be. In the body of Christ, you might be called, your calling might be to be a pinky toe. But that pinky toe is super important. You start lopping off toes, and what's going to happen? You're going to fall down. You're going to at least walk with a limp. So, again, if we're missing even the slightest thing from the body of Christ, it affects the whole body. You start lopping off toes, and, and you may say, well, I'm just a pinky toe. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter where I, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yes, because the body's going to miss you if you're not there, if you're not in your spot and doing what God called you to do. And so what we've got to do is realize that, that God has given us all the ability to serve. All the ability to do ministry, all the ability, you might be a Mary, you might be a Martha, you might be one that cleans and, and takes care of the building and the premises and all this kind of stuff, or you might be one that's called to prayer. And you might just need to come in here 30 minutes before the service and pray over all the seats and people that are going to be in here ahead of time. Folks, that changes things. It really, really, really does. And so whatever it is and however it is, it's the knowledge. God gives us knowledge. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. He gives us knowledge, and knowledge is what to do. He gives us skill. That's how to do. Amen? 
So it's what to do and how to do. That's knowledge and skill. And then attitude. And that's want to do. And you know what? God will take want to do over any of the rest of it. Amen? If somebody wants to do something, God will always make a place for that person. If, if they're fired up, I, I know that I've got to earn this, that I've got, to, I've got to live my life according to that gospel by which I was called, and I want to do something for God. I know I can never pay him back, and I know I can't earn it, but I want to do what I can. I want to, at that finish line, hear those, well, those, those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? And so whatever it is God's got put in your heart, Whatever it is God's got on your mind, don't dismiss it. Don't think it was just a, a, a bad pizza yesterday that made you dream that dream or think that thought or, or have that vision. Realize God's trying to talk to you. God's got something for you to do, and there's lots of things that he wants to birth through this church. Amen? Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father... We all face those times when we've got to make those decisions, and those are the things that we want to look at. Lord, uh, what we want, who we're, who we're serving, looking at the church as the, as the primary entity on this earth to which we're attached, and that we're no longer citizens of this earth, but we are citizens of heaven. And so, Lord, we just, we're asking you to, to help us just file this in the file of our mind. Lord, that whenever we're faced with a decision, that we would remember these things, that we would come back to them, and that we would look at them in, in light of what decision we're making and what we need to do, how we need to do it. And God, you're going to answer. I'm believing that. I believe that you care enough about us as individuals that you will help us make even the smallest of decisions if we will just listen for your voice, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, today, we're thanking you that we made that decision to become a, a citizen of heaven. We're thanking you that we know your voice, and you said that as your sheep we would. And so, Lord, if, if there's one person here today, and nobody's looking around, nobody's up and down or going in or out, but, Lord, right now, as you're just dealing with us as individuals, if there's one person here today that simply says, I want to make things right with God. Maybe, preacher, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I've never made that decision to follow Christ, to give him my heart, life, and soul. But you're here today, and you're saying, I want to do that. I want to make things right with God. Or maybe you've done that. Maybe you did that a long time ago, but maybe you walked away from it. Maybe you want to renew that today. And you're simply saying, just some things that have happened, I want to make it right with God. If that's you, either one of those, nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name. I'm not going to call you up front. But if you want to make things right with God today, would you just slip your hand up so that I can pray with you? Yes, yes, yes. I see those hands. You can just lift them up and back down. Anybody else? Very quickly. Yes. Anyone else? I just want to make things right with God today. I've been living for me, maybe not living for him. I want to make that right today. Anyone else? Yes. We're going to pray. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this. I want you to mean it from your heart. I want every born-again believer to pray it with them. And just pray this. Heavenly Father, I ask you today, come into my heart and into my life. I need you. I thank you for loving me and caring about me and wanting to be a part of my daily life. And Lord Jesus, 
I accept what you did on that cross for me. You died in my place. You died for my sin so that I could go free and that I could be with you in heaven one day. But while I'm here on this earth, would you lead me, guide me, direct me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit? And I thank you, Lord, for loving me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information on our church, please visit our Facebook page at FWC Beaumont. Also, we would like to invite you to our Easter service on Easter Sunday at 1030 on our campus. That's all we have. We'll be back next week.